Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Mino Lion Media presents Conversations with Dr. Ian Smith. Slutty Vegan. Well, it's a name that catches your attention. It was created by Pinky Cole, who is successful at telling others that veganism is a real possibility. Welcome, Pinky Cole, to the show. Pinky, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I'm just happy to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I would be remiss if I didn't start right where everyone is wondering. The name Slutty Vegan. (laughs) I've read, I've read that you said Slutty Vegan to your mind is someone who eats vegan but enjoys junk food as long as it's not dead. You also go on to say, I knew the name would be a great hook to help people to reimagine food. Absolutely. So, you know, it's funny because that's the first question that everybody asks me um, when I do interviews about the name. And it's doing exactly what I wanted them to do, right? I used to be a television producer, Dr. Ian, and I was in the industry for 10 years, did very well, a massive amount of success, won a lot of awards. And what I realized is if I can merge the two most pleasurable experiences in life, and that's sex and that's food, something that we all love, right? Then I know that I can create something that will help people live a better lifestyle, even if it starts at vegan comfort food. So when I came up with the name Sledding Vegan, it was really a way to just get people dialed in. Like if I can get you to pay attention, then I can teach you something. And I did that. It sparked dialogue. It was very controversial, still controversial today, but it's making people have that conversation. And the conversation is that we can reimagine food in a way that we've never done it before. And I couldn't be more excited. I've had the business for three years now, Dr. Ian. And when I tell you from 2018 to today, we have literally done so much, all from a name. We, we, we've served more than a million people at this point, right? We've opened up three locations, two food trucks. We've done it all in a matter of three years, and I couldn't owe it to anything else but God in the name because the name <laughs> it made it a household name. <laughs> yeah, well, let's step back for a minute. I mean, you were born in Baltimore, um, which is not the easiest of cities, by the way. Uh, you were born uh, to Jamaican-American parents, correct? Yeah, correct. Uh, uh, your parents... Uh, uh, was both your parents Jamaican or one? Both of my parents are Jamaican. That's right. Both Jamaican immigrants came to this country. How was it growing up as the daughter of Jamaican immigrants in Baltimore at the time? How was your childhood? Well, my childhood was different. The day that I was born, like literally coming out of the womb, my father was being sentenced to 22 years in prison. So uh, mm. I was walking into freedom. He, he was walking away from his. So the symbolism there is that, like, I didn't get that silver spoon handed to me. I grew up in a household with a single mother who worked four to five jobs. She's a musician. She worked at the bank. She helped other people. Like, she did so much stuff. And I saw how hard my mother worked. 
and, and still has worked for the same company for the last 34 years. But I saw her tenacity and her willingness not to give up. But then I also learned a lot from my dad. While he was behind bars, he was in federal prison, but he would call me and tell me books to read. He would teach me about the stock market. He would tell me and encourage me to be an entrepreneur and not work for somebody for the rest of my life. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with working for someone, but my father is just wired differently. So I had to learn how to be a hustler growing up, Dr. Ian. Like, you know, I, I, I used to sell candy. I used to throw parties. I, anything that I could sell, I would do it because I knew that I could bring people together. And I learned a lot growing up. You know, I don't know if you have a Caribbean background or if you know anybody that does, but like growing up in a Caribbean household is very different. The way we cook, the way we clean, how we live, what we think about, like it's very different. So although my household wasn't the most strictest, I learned a lot about life. And I'm happy that I did, even though I, you know, I was born in the States, but every single summer, we were shipped off to Jamaica with my family um, to learn the basics of life. And I think that that has helped me become a better entrepreneur. Um, a lot of people don't know this, but my mother is a Rastafarian. So I grew up in a household with a woman who has never worn makeup, never worn earrings, never shaved, only ate fish, didn't eat meat. So like I absorbed all of that from my mother. And throughout the years, I became my mother. And here we are with Slutty Vegan, the concept was something that I grew up in. And it, it just feels right to do what I do because this is how I was raised. Well, let's talk about real fast, you know, you're being raised by a single mom who's an immigrant herself, who's working four jobs, uh, working hard uh, to impart knowledge and to give you a shot. Were you aware of why your father went to prison? I mean, how, when or if that was explained to you, when was that explained? Well, you know, it's funny. I grew up in prison. I know that sounds crazy, right? So, like, I've never been arrested and been behind bars myself, but I've been behind bars mentally because... As a kid, I can remember as early as six years old, like going through security, being wandered down and being timed on when I could visit my dad. And at first I didn't understand it, but as I got older, I realized that, okay, this is restricted time that I'm able to see one of my parents at a table this cold with other people who have on the same outfit that he has on. So as I've gotten older, um, I realized what he was doing there. Now I found out why he was there when I researched it online. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> so, so he was a businessman, but he wasn't so legal with his business. But, but when I tell you, Dr. Ian, I wouldn't trade my upbringing for the world because when, when you see me, society paints the picture that I'm supposed to be a statistic, right? I grew up in a mm. single family household that I'm supposed to be pregnant. I'm supposed to be all this. I graduated from college. Um, I almost finished my master's degree. But I literally was able to uh, amass a, a life that my parents have never experienced. And if you ask from the outside looking in, it wasn't supposed to look like this. So I'm happy that it turned out the way that it did. It just made me fight harder for the things that I want and, and never took any handouts. So even though your father was behind bars, he still was a big part of your life, correct? Absolutely. Still is. Um, yeah. He got out of prison in 2005. He got deported. So he's unable to come to America, but he's still just as active as he was when he was behind bars. My father is one of the smartest men I've ever met in my life. And I think that I get a lot of those tricks from him. Um, awesome. Yeah. You know, so hey. he's a good guy. Hopefully one day he goes to the States. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And then, so, okay, so you end up, you finish high school, then you go to a great school, Clark Atlanta. Mm -hmm. uh, university in Atlanta. 
had your parents been to college? Were you the first to go to college? How was that like? I was the very first person to go to college in my family. And wow. I didn't, the only reason why I wanted to go to college is because I saw Ludacris on TV. And I'm like, I don't want to go there. <laughs> but um, I knew that it was something that I needed to do, whether I wanted to do it or not. Like I needed to create a legacy for my family because I wanted to be the example for my elders and for my nieces and my nephews that like you literally could do anything that you wanted to do. When I was a kid, we had one TV and a, well, one and a half because only one had cable. I used to watch Golden Girls with my grandmother, Lifetime with my grandma. I didn't grow up watching cartoons. I didn't grow up playing with toys. So I grew up much mature than my peers, much more mature than my peers. So when I got to college, I was ready for the world, right? I was 17 years old and that was the best experience of my life because what it showed me is that there's so many people around the world who look like me, who come from all different walks of life. So I learned how to be a woman at Clark Atlanta University. I learned how to really be a hustler at Clark Atlanta University. So I'm forever indebted to that institution because it taught me a lot about who I am as an individual. And I wouldn't trade that experience for the world. You know, it's interesting. I, I feel as though my grandfather used to say um, he came up on the other side of the mountain. Mm. And uh, I feel like I came up on the other side of the mountain. And I feel the same way, by the way. I wouldn't trade it. I think that, you know, Many more kids had an easier life than I had as far as financial resources and things like that. But my experience that I got and learning how to struggle, learning how to set goals and to be independent, all those things, I think, prepared me so well for my life later on. And so I would never trade uh, the comforts uh, that others have. I wouldn't trade what I had for that. And that being said, here you are uh, growing up with a mom who was a vegetarian. Did you always practice vegetarianism or did you do something else? Give me your history and the role of vegetarianism and the transition to veganism. Absolutely. I ate what my mother ate. <laughs> we ate fish, I'm eating fish. You black bean burgers, that's what I mean too. Um, and I grew up on that. So my grandmother, her mother, actually ate meat. So I would eat meat occasionally. But for the most part, the latter part of that, I was eating what my mother ate. Um, so when I got to college in 2007, I completely eliminated any meat products except for fish. And it's funny, Dr. Ian, when I when I did that, so many people thought that I was weird. You crazy, girl. You better eat this chicken. Like, like people didn't understand it. Like, it, it was foreign to see a young African-American woman talking about vegetarianism and like, oh, I don't eat that. Like, wait, what's wrong with you? So in the last seven years, when I decided to be completely vegan, it was a conscious decision that I made to go cold turkey because all of my life, I've always eaten a lot healthier. You know, in a Caribbean household, we eat a lot. Obviously, yeah, we eat rice and peas, but like there's a lot of food from the ground that we eat, more alkaline foods that we eat. So I grew up that way. Like I tell my friends all the time, I went to McDonald's once every two months, right? That was like a yeah. treat because I yeah. grew up eating home-cooked meals every single day. So when I decided to go vegan seven years ago, it was a no-brainer for me and I never turned back. And, and I'm so happy that I did that because first of all, it was the best decision that I made number one. Um, and number two, I get to walk in my purpose. And number three, I get to get paid to walk in my purpose um, and, and teach people about eating healthier, living better. And I do it through Slutty Vegan. And that makes me feel good. So was there a crystallizing moment or a particular reason why you decided that veganism was the right course for you going forward? I've just always been the person that I 
I just want to be better than my, my, my old self, right? I am the YouTuber, the Googler, try to find new remedies, new, like I'm always on a challenge, uh, on a cleanse, I'm fasting. Like I just love to elevate myself, my mind, my body, and my spirit. So when I learned about veganism, I'm like, okay, no dairy products, nothing that comes from an animal. It, it really wasn't for the animals. And, you know, obviously I love animals, but that wasn't specifically my reason when I started. I evolved to that place. But it really was, I want to live a more wholesome life within myself. And then when I learned more about veganism, I'm like, okay, all right, I eat like this. I save the animals. Animals are not, aren't compromised. And it just really started growing that way. So I'm, I'm so happy um, that I have people around me that I can share veganism with without pushing my agenda on them. I'm, I'm not the average vegan. Like, I'm the vegan that I like food. Like, I like to eat. I like really yeah. um, but, but I also love saving the planet, too. You know? Yeah, you know, and there's no reason why the two of them can't coexist, by the way. And I love the fact that you're able to make them work together. You know, after college, uh, you move to L.A., you want to become an actress. And then you go from L.A. to New York, uh, where you start working in television production. And you have a great experience there. But then you open up your first restaurant called Pinky's Jamaican American Restaurant that was in Harlem. Talk to me about kind of how do you decide all of a sudden I'm going to open up a restaurant and this is what this restaurant's going to be. I mean, how does that process go down? I just decided that I'm going to open up a restaurant. <laughs> so, so how it went really, I'm so spontaneous. Like, I am the biggest risk taker, right? If something pops into my head, I feel like I can conquer anything. That's how much I believe in myself. So when the restaurant mm -hmm. idea came, I was a television producer at the Maury Show at the time. I had my 401k. One of my friends said, listen, there's a space available. You want to put a restaurant? I'm like, okay, what kind of restaurant am I going to put here? I'm like, right, <laughs> I, I love good food. I love Jamaican food. I said, okay, well, let me put this restaurant here. And I did it with no experience in the restaurant industry. I went to Google University. And YouTube, <laughs> and that is where I learned how to be a restaurateur. Now that wasn't the best way because I mean I had a lot of hiccups along the way, but I learned a lot through that journey. It it, it was the the best uh, schooling that money could buy. Um, yeah, I opened up that restaurant. I had lines down a block, and at the time I was vegetarian, but I was selling jerk chicken. So let me tell you a lesson that I learned having that first restaurant and like walking in your purpose. That wasn't my purpose. I was vegetarian selling chicken to people. So I was lying to people. So that's mm. work out. Right. But I needed that to happen for me to see it because after having a restaurant for two years, losing a restaurant to a grease fire, I lost everything. When I say my car got repoed, I got kicked out of my apartment, um, got evicted, went flat broke, like literally, like I lost everything. And now when I look back, hindsight 2020, I'm like, okay, the universe didn't want that for me. Like I was supposed mm. to be doing something that I actually believed in, which is why I'm very intentional about every single thing that I do. Like if it ain't in my spirit, I'm not doing it, right? If it's not intentional, I'm not doing it. And I learned that working in that restaurant. I don't want to move from this because this is a lot. There's a lot of stuff you put in here. The first thing you put in there is about walking in your purpose. A lot of people don't understand what that means. How would you define walk when someone is walking in their purpose? What, what's your definition? So when it feels right, let me tell you something. If something makes your belly leap at night, that's you walking in your purpose. If you can mm. do that thing and do it for free and it feels good and you can lay at night on your pillow 
and your conscience is still clear, that's walking in your purpose. If you know mm. that you are giving yourself to others for the benefit of others and people are either being helped, they're being given opportunity and given resources, that is you walking in your purpose. And everybody has the ability to do that. You just got to unlock it. And I mm. unlock mine through vegan food, right? Through helping mm. people live and eat better, even if it's vegan comfort food. But purpose is real. We all have it. We just got to activate it. And and, mm. and it, it can be right in front of your face. Like, who knew? I've been a vegan for seven years. Who knew that a vegan company was going to take the legacy of my family to the next level? That was me walking mm. into my purpose. That was me. Mm already helping people that I love, already wanting to cook for people, already telling my friends and family who don't eat right, like, okay, you need to eat a little better. That was me walking into my purpose. And you know when your purpose is fruitful because you can do it and you do it for free and you're not looking for any monetary gain. And then it just ends up coming, right? Mm. Mm. Eating for money. I don't do that yeah. for money. Money don't move me. I do it because I want people to have a great experience and I want to teach people something and have them walk away learning something from me or something that I created. And I think I get to do that with Slutty Vegan. And that is what I think about purpose. Well, you also say, though, which is very important for people to understand and to really think about, even though you took a risk and you're a gambler, which I love, by the way, I think life is too short, not take risks. Uh, life is a lot more fun when you take risks. But you took a risk, you open a restaurant, you're selling chicken, even though you're a vegetarian, and you have a grease fire, you lose everything, kicked out of your apartment, lose your car. But instead of having the attitude that life sucks, and I'm going to spiral into a depression, you turn around after a while and say, this is a good lesson for me, and I'm going to use it as a springboard to go forward. Talk a little more about that. Everything in life is a lesson. Like even now, I run a multi-million dollar business at the end, and hiccups come along the way, speed bumps all of the time. But every time those things happen, I say, okay, our universe, what are you teaching me? What am I learning from this? Every single thing is a learning lesson. You you can't go into a school and learn this stuff. Like, this is real life right here. And mm. I'm so happy that every single thing happened in my life the way that it did, because that is a part of the story. So now mm. I've got a testimony and I can teach people about what I've been through so that they don't have to make the same decisions that I made and they can be better than me. That's what it's all about anyway. But when, th but when bad things happen, they're never really bad. These mm. things are really just building blocks to get you where you need to be. And like, okay, I learned it for this time. Okay, this is what the universe is trying to teach me. So now I can be better. I'll give you an example. When I lost that restaurant, I owed sales and use taxes. And, I, and I'm, the reason why I'm telling you is because I'm going to drive my point home. I owed sales and use taxes so much that my wages started getting garnished, right? Mm. So, I mean, I'm a green entrepreneur. I didn't know that like... The business is closed, but you still have to pay the debt. I'm thinking business closed. I don't got to owe nobody. <laughs> <laughs> the next two years, I was locked in to a debt that I didn't understand what I was paying. So they were taking money from me. Right. Mm. But guess what? Here we are. Fast forward. Now I have slutty vegan. I don't play about my taxes. I don't play about making sure I have an accountant and an attorney and the right people in place so that I get official business done. But it took for me to get have those speed bumps back in the day 
for me to mm. learn that you got to handle your business. So, so everything literally happens for a reason. And for the people who are tuning into this podcast, like if you are going through something, if you come across speed bumps or hurdles, whether it's personal or professional, like don't look at it as a downfall, look at it as an opportunity to learn and to grow. And that is how I live my life. And that's how I'm able to overcome every single day. Amen to that. I love that. In July of 2018, you were inspired to create uh, your vegan restaurant. Basically, you say, due to your cravings for vegan junk food. Uh, what is vegan junk food? Give me an example of vegan junk food. So, politically speaking, I like to call it <laughs> vegan comfort food, okay? Because it gives okay. you comfort okay. food. We love food. Food is energy. <laughs> food brings people together, okay? That's right. I talk about comfort food, um, and, and some people may coin it junk food, right, depending on who you're talking to. But when I think about comfort food, I think about food that will connect people from all walks of life. Mm. One thing I know about slutty vegan is people come from around the world, right? Black people, white people, Asians, people from Africa, everywhere. And you know why they come? They come in the name of food. So you eliminate all the racial barriers. You eliminate all of the things that 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 separate us, that society mm-hmm. wants to separate us. You eliminate all that because food brings you together and it brings you that level of comfort. So when I think about comfort food, I think about fun food. Food that gives you the nostalgia of that favorite cookout that you used to go to, your family reunion. Like those places, it reminds you of that when you think about comfort food. And 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 you know, people ask me like, all right, well, Pinky, you know, you're, you're selling veganism. Why, why junk food? And I said, well, I'm not selling veganism, right? I'm selling an experience. And mm. the experience is going to lock you into veganism because there's this thing in the vegan world that vegans push their agenda on people, right? Mm-hmm. I said, mm-hmm. I never wanted to do that. I wanted to bring people together in the name of comfort food and make mm. them comfortable. And when they're comfortable, then they're willing to have more conversations about something that has been so taboo for as long as we can remember. Does that make sense? So 100%. they don't even feel like somebody is pushing on them. It feels like, okay, I'm going to learn more. And That's that right. is how I feel about comfort food or the junk food that people call it. And give me some of your favorite items that you, what things do you crave? Um, all of it. <laughs> um, so we have the one night stand that's on our menu um, that's our most popular burger it's with our vegan bacon our patty lettuce tomato and our special sauce because we got the secret sauce that's out of this world <laughs> and then we have something called the menage a trois and all those toppings plus shrimp um, we have something called the sloppy toppy another one of my favorite uh, favorites and uh, that has jalapenos on it and you know what's funny none of this has anything to do with sex Mm. Just, just the provocative names drive you in. But when I came up with the names of my burgers, I'm like, okay, what can I do to make people remember the food, right? <laughs> like, I don't want you to come to just letting me say, oh, let, let me get a number one. No, I want you to describe and tell me what you want, right? <laughs> tell me that I'm going to give you what you want. But it has nothing to do with sex. And that is the beautiful part of it because I got kids coming, Dr. Ian, Muslims, Christians, p- people literally from all walks of life come to taste the goodness of Slutty Vegan. And they've gotten beyond the name and gotten beyond the provocativeness of the food items and really have a good time when they come. Well, listen, I have a lot of friends in Atlanta. I go to Atlanta often. Your restaurants are known for the lines. Yes. People are waiting outside all the time to get to the food. Like, it's, it's stupid to ask you why they're there because the food is good, but 
Can you cut the lines down? I mean, how do we do that? Or is it just, it just is what it is? We move pretty fast. Yeah. <laughs> we move pretty fast. Um, you know, it's all about the experience, right? You know, once upon a time, people thought that we held the lines. I'm like, no, we move fast. We have a little ticket time. Um, but the reason why we have those lines, and, and I don't know if a lot of people know this, is because we are a community-based business, right? Mm. Philanthropic efforts is what keeps us at the forefront because we do a lot for the communities that we're in. So here is the slutty vegan formula, right? So I have a foundation called the Pinky Cole Foundation. What we do is we help to bridge that generational wealth gap. So we provide opportunities for other entrepreneurs, right? We we pay the rents for local businesses in the area. We partner mm. with big companies like Impossible Foods and Incognito and Jermaine Dupree to get people excited about the voting process. And, and I believe that we help turn Georgia blue, right? Mm. We have such an influence in Atlanta and beyond that we focus on the community because the community is focused on us, right? Mm -hmm. So that right there alone sets us apart from the regular burger and fry joint because it's not just food that we're selling. We're we're talking about ecosystem and we're talking about bringing people together, helping them with financial literacy. Just recently, myself and uh, a local business owner, uh, we did uh, an initiative where we helped Black men in Atlanta get life insurance that they didn't have to pay for. It was on our dime, right? Mm. So that means that they got to pick their beneficiary. They got to pick their policy. But things like that just shows you that we are community driven. And then on top of that, the locations where we put Slutty Vegan, we go to underserved um, communities, food deserts, areas where veganism is not readily available, where there are lack of resources and or right in the middle of gentrification. And we put a Slutty Vegan in the ground. And when we put Slutty Vegan there, guess what we do? We raise the value of the community. Right. Mm-hmm. We help other mm-hmm. local business owners make more money because our long lines that you just talked about, those people will eventually go into those stores. So mm-hmm. we are very strategic and intentional about everything that we do. Um, so the lines just always stay long, long because of it. I got to tell you, hearing you answer that really gives me chills because I am a firm believer that we live in a capitalistic society and you can make money and have businesses but that doesn't mean you still can't give back to the community. That still that doesn't mean you still can't uh, be mission oriented, you know, in a philanthropic way. And I think that sometimes we think it's one or the other, and it's not. You know, you can make a lot of money and yet help a lot of people at the same time. You can do both of those things, and both of those things are applaudable. Let me ask you this question: So people tend to think that vegans, people have this image of vegans, right? I'm just going to put it to you straight. People think that vegans are not black people that they wear open face sandals, that they don't shave, that their hair is knotted, and that they like to hike, Yes. right? (laughs) But African-Americans, island nations, uh, which are, you know, predominantly populated by Black people, have been vegans forever and vegetarians forever. Absolutely. A lot of people don't know that. Um, But what, what happened was, is throughout the years, veganism became a rich white lifestyle. And, and I say this because who, who, depending on who, you, who you're asking, right? And once upon a time, vegan food wasn't readily available in low income communities, right? So people thought that like it wasn't attainable because I can't afford this. I don't want this. But For the test of time, black people, our ancestors were eating vegan food. They would just hunt if need be. You understand what I'm saying? So the beautiful part of all of this today is that veganism became trendy, 
right? Mm-hmm. Pop mm-hmm. culture made veganism trendy. Beyonce made veganism trendy. <laughs> Slutty Vegan made veganism trendy, right? <laughs> and I say all that to say is sometimes you got to infuse it in the culture, right? To get people to pay attention. I tell people all the time, you want to get young people to listen, put in the music, right? Every, every time I see an artist, a celebrity, I'm like, okay, talk about veganism, slutty vegan, and eating healthier. Make it cool to be healthy. Make it That's cool right. to be vegan. Make it cool to not want to kill animals, right? Like, yeah. put it in the culture. So today, it warms my heart to realize, one, that slutty vegan has been a pillar in getting people to, like, readjust to this way of living and then not be like, oh, it's vegan food, I don't want it. But like, oh, it's vegan food. I gotta have that, right? Well, you know, it's you know, you know, it's interesting because I go, by the way, my next book in April is going to be about uh, plant. It's called Plant Power. And the idea is how to get people to eat more plants. So it's not a full vegan or vegetarian book, but it's a book to flip people from eating predominantly animal based products to more plant based products. OK, that's my next book. So in the course of this book, I'm doing all this research and I'm discovering all these things that I just absolutely did not know. I'm a meat eater. OK. And I'm discovering all this stuff that, to be very honest with you, made me sick to my stomach. <laughs> okay. Um, and so I'm sitting there saying to myself, wow, when you look at particularly African-Americans, but this goes for anybody, by the way, but when you look particularly African-Americans and we have so many high rates of obesity and diabetes and heart disease, what an unbelievable transformation that is possible if more of us became vegetarians or vegans or at least more plant-based think about what that would do to our overall health how amazing that would be yeah and and, you know i I talk about this a lot because when you look at a slutty vegan line my audience is they're not vegan right my audience is the flexitarian the meteor Right. And I like it that way because it's easier to transition the mind of somebody who has never been familiar with this lifestyle versus somebody that already knows what it is. I probably get less vegans and slutty vegan than meat eaters. Right. But what I realize is, is that it's all about knowledge and education. You know, people come up to me, black people tell me just like, oh, I didn't know this was vegan. Like are fries vegan. And it's not that they're being ignorant. They just don't know. Right. So. Educating the masses on what veganism is or just plant-based living. I'm not saying that you got to like change your whole diet. That is not my MO. My MO is making you understand that I can meet you where you at, right? Mm -hmm. And if I can meet you where you at here and this, if slutty vegan is your first introduction to vegan food, right? That Mm -hmm. means that you can go to any other restaurant because you've already programmed in your mind that, okay, it's not bad. This tastes That's really right. good. That's and right. More people, especially black people in our communities who are plagued by those diseases, if they incorporate more vegan options, then they'll want to eat healthier. The the beautiful thing about what's happening in the economy right now and in our world, unfortunately, you know, with the pandemic and everything, a lot of people have lost their lives. But what it did is it made people more conscious about the things that they consume. Yes, yes. That's that's energy, that's everything, right? So I'm like, okay, we're moving in the right direction because now people want to live better. So how can we make people live better and reduce the percentages of black people in our communities dying at these alarming rates because of high cholesterol, diabetes and all of these things? Meet them where they're at and then continue to educate them. You know, slutty vegan is not my end all. Right. My goal is to be able to 
like educate the masses on eating better, right? So my first restaurant was Burgers, Fries, and Pies. My second restaurant, I just opened Bar Vegan. Bar Vegan is a, an experiential bar, right, that sells tacos and salad and vegan chicken and waffles and all things vegan, different menu from Slutty Vegan. But guess what? Now it gets healthier and healthier and healthier. My next restaurant after this is going to be an alkaline vegan restaurant. So I'm meeting people where they are so that they can learn more about veganism and follow this journey with me together so that they can understand food a little bit better. Well, I got to tell you, Pinky, I can't wait to um, get to Slutty Vegan and uh, and try it out. Once this pandemic settles down, like back on the road on tour, uh, Atlanta's always a stop for me on tour, so I will be there. Uh, let me. I'm going to ask you um, at the end now, something I call the random seven, the random seven questions, and you just give a very quick answer, whatever you, comes to mind, okay? But before I do that, I want to applaud you on your philanthropy once again. Um, I read where you and uh, a fellow graduate paid off the debts of 30 Clark Atlanta University seniors uh, a couple of years ago. That is the kind of philanthropy, that is the kind of selflessness, that is the kind of humanity that this country so badly needs. And is those kind of behaviors is what really sparks greatness in other people. And so I wanna thank you for doing that because sometimes people do things and don't get, I know you didn't do it to be applauded, but sometimes people do really great things and people are not acknowledged for it. And, and that is, that is groundbreaking. It's, 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 it's life-changing for a lot of people. So thank you so much for doing that. And if I can ever help in some way, uh, let me know. Okay, here are my random seven. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> okay. What do you own that's really expensive that you don't feel guilty about? Real estate. Great. Uh, <laughs> number two, if you were not a restaurateur and you were not someone who had worked in television, what would your dream job be? Mm. What would my dream job be if I was not a restaurateur? Um, I would be a famous singer. Nice. I like that. Okay. Listen, <laughs> <laughs> God, listen, you knew what you was doing when you had me know. <laughs> um, okay. Who have you not met who you would like to meet and sit down and have dinner with and why that particular person? <laughs> I've been asked this before. It's funny. I want to be Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you why, because I want to know why so many people hated him if he was such a good guy. Wow. I know that sounds deep, but I really just want to know. I want to, like, get inside your brain and wonder, like, why did so many people not like you? You, you did so much good for, for people. Wow. Yeah. That, that's Curveball. good stuff right there. That's good stuff. <laughs> um, what does success look like to you? Success to me looks like my mother and my father being alive and being able to scroll on my Instagram and call me like <laughs> they are my biggest fans. That's success. It's more than money. Like everybody does it. Can't say that they have a parent that's still living to watch them make it. And that has always been one of my fears. I'm like, I want to make it so that my parents can see it. So here I am now. My mother is with me and she has breath in her lungs to see one of her children a mass amount of success that she could only imagine. And I just paid off my student loans two years ago. And she said, I never in my life thought that we'd be able to get this done. So like, to me, that's success. That means more than anything in the world. Wow. I love that. Um, who have you always had a crush on and why? Who have I always had a crush on? Ooh, you trying to give me a trouble, <laughs> Um, Who have I always had a crush on? Um, 
Well, a professional crush, um, Jeff Bezos. Um, not a romantic crush, but I admire his workmanship. I admire the entrepreneur that he is, and I strive to one day get to that level. So yeah, that's my business crush. <laughs> what makes you really angry? What makes me really angry is when people aren't selfless. I'm a giver. Like I will take the shirt off my back, but when I see that people are selfish with other people, when other people have helped them in the past, that really like grinds my gears because I feel like nothing is yours to keep. Like success is not yours to keep. You share it. The blessings, you share it because karma is real. And and, and when you give, you shall receive. So when I see people being selfish about that, something that God has given them, I don't like that. And those are the type of people that cannot be around me. At the end of the day, when someone writes your story, what do you want them to say about you? I want people to see me as an idea, right? The idea that like you can come from anywhere, you can look like anything, and you can think like everything and be anything that you want to be. And I know in my heart that I've already proven that to the world and people already see that. But when Pinky Cole is long gone, I want them to remember the idea that I can do it and there's nothing that's going to stop me no matter what. Pinky Cole, you are a blessing to the universe. Thank you so much for joining the conversation today. Thank you for having me. Conversations with Dr. Ian Smith is hosted by Dr. Ian Smith, associate producer Ariel Mancibo, executive producers Ian Smith and Ken Johnson. Find the Conversations with Dr. Ian Smith podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcasts, or on IG at Dr. Ian Smith. Conversations with Dr. Ian Smith is a mean old line media production. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.